Hello, and welcome to Voices in Healthcare Finance. I'm Erica Grotto. As we all try to find a new normal in the constantly changing world we're living in right now, it's clear that every part of our industry is facing new challenges. Today's guest, Ed Jeanette, a partner at KPMG, talks with Joe Pfeiffer about challenges of financial reporting during the coronavirus crisis and the guidance his organization has issued on the topic. Well, I am pleased and honored to have uh, a special guest today for our podcast, uh, and the timeliness is really special. Ed Jeanette, who's a partner and leads the KPMG's U.S. healthcare practice, is joining me today. Ed is a longtime friend of HFMA. He's a past board member of HFMA, and Ed, I'm not going to ask you how many years ago that was, but he's also a personal friend of mine. And uh, gosh, Ed, I wish that we were uh, connecting under different circumstances, but this is a really important topic and timely, as I said. I just want to welcome you to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And you, and you can ask, it was ironically at the end of the recession in 2009 that I joined the board and served my three years. I do appreciate the opportunity. You know, I want to share what we're hearing and seeing around the country. And, you know, I, I just realized it's been two weeks since my last scheduled flight, and it really seems like an eternity. You know, I, I got over the uh, withdrawals from not flying, and given all the activity, I, it's even hard to figure out what day of the week it is as we try to track and monitor everything going on. And, you know, particularly over the last 10 days, I've had the opportunity to talk with many CFOs. I've participated in a number of audit and compliance committee meetings, although in the current environment, they're shortened. Some are being combined with the full board just to deal with COVID-19. And, and one other fact is we've set up a listening post for all 3,500 of our professionals, and we work alongside with our board leadership center and audit committee institute to really attempt to gather as much information as we can and share those insights back to the field. Well, it's just so important. I've been talking to CFOs around the country, and um, uh, and they are all over this issue from all kinds of perspectives. But what triggered me to ask you to join me on a podcast, uh, just yesterday, under your name, KPMG sent out two different documents. One was just a one-pager, questions from management and governance, and we'll get into that in a second. The other one is a little broader of a document entitled Navigating the Pandemic a Broad Lens, or Board Lens, excuse me, and uh, had some great insights. And so I, I thought I'd get you on the line here and, and maybe you can expound on what you're hearing and, and uh, tap into that vast experience that you personally have going for many, many years. So let's just start. What are you hearing from CFOs and audit committees and, uh, and boards of our hospitals? Well, a lot of things, and I think everybody's really trying to, you know, network as much as possible to gather as much insight because we're really in uncharted waters right now, as you know, and there's a lot of serious challenges for our clients, and they're all evaluating what's happening in their local markets, their specific markets, and whether some are in a what I'd call a pre-surge stage and some are in a surge stage, and then Others are trying to anticipate what will be there when we resurge potentially, and then ultimately what happens after the fact. So obviously if you're in New York, you're dealing with a different set of facts and circumstances than Chicago. And if you're in rural Minnesota, it's another whole set of facts. I, w I would say, you know, the other big challenge that we're hearing is the obvious. And here we are on, you know, on the phone here is managing a remote workforce. 
You know, for example, we were talking with one client today about how you're going to manage the first quarter close virtually. So, you know, closing the books, you know, from a virtual while everybody's working remotely is a real challenge. And my experience, aside from sometimes the technology not working really well, but the effectiveness of trying to, you know, have an audit committee meeting or having a board meeting or even just missing out on the interaction that is in a face-to-face meeting is is a real challenge. And, you know, a lot of us are learning how to use our landlines again if we have them, you know, just to preclude anything on a cell system from going down. The other thing, Joe, you mentioned that I sent out a publication yesterday. Frankly, from talking with our clients, they're basically being sandblasted with emails, with requests for calls, networking forums, and and recognizing they're trying to stay focused on the day-to-day challenge they have and keep the engine running, if you will, and defer projects that were in flight, you know, reacting to everything going on. You know, you got to read the 800-plus pages of the Senate bill just to figure out what's possible in that. So I've had a number of CFOs just say, I got to stop here. I got to go negotiate the purchase of ventilators or I got to go buy masks over the internet right now. So I'm trying to be sensitive, but I felt when there's something relevant, I try to put it out there. Well, we appreciate it. You know, the beauty of a podcast is people can listen, uh, you know, on their own time. And uh, I know what it's like. I made this observation to a few people the last few days. You know, I'm starting these days and they're very different. I look at my calendar and there's not much scheduled on there. And I think, Oh gosh, you know, I should be able to get some things done today. <laughs> and then, oh my gosh, I end up in the day with more emails in my inbox than I started the day and I'm struggling to keep up and, and I know that I'm dropping the ball and I'm not on the front lines like our CFOs and their staff are. So I can totally relate to it and it's hitting all of us. You know, the thing I'm hearing from our CFOs is they're really focused on looking into the future and they're doing financial modeling and boy you know having done all kinds of financial models and projections before i can't imagine what it would be like to try to project out what the implications could be but they are looking into the future uh, as they should be Uh, i don't know what are the short-term issues and long-term issues that you're seeing for health systems that's a great lead-in, Joe. And and like you, not knowing what day of the week it is, because th- this is a full-time interaction through the weekends and everything else. And to your point, probably one of the two, I would say, most pressing short-term issues that we're hearing about is just what you said. It's around forecasting the demand and then at the same time, ensuring access to capital. So for example, as you probably know, there's a variety of models out there. There's a Penn Medicine model, Rush University Health System put out a model. Everyone's building their own models, trying to be able to forecast the demand side. And, you know, a lot of the models are really based on the experience from other countries. And what we've found is they're really not necessarily population specific. The local demographics, the comorbidities, the expected duration now that we're on kind of a lockdown. And so I think what this was really done, and we had our data and analytics team work all weekend scrubbing the different models, but it's a real opportunity to leverage all the advanced analytics that we've been talking about and the modeling and system dynamic simulations that really do incorporate data and variables into the local market situation because everyone is going to be different. And, you know, I think these models, in turn, to your point, really inform 
not only the resource needs, the supply side, but they also drive right into the cash flow forecast and the financial planning. And the first question boards and audit committees that I've experienced in the last two weeks, they're clearly interested in the impact, the underlying assumptions that are really driving decision-making. So that's really the first kind of big short-term thing that I hear CFOs are dealing with. I would say the second thing is really we look at the stock market volatility. Most uh, health systems I've talked to have now in the last 10 days deferred elective surgeries and non-essential ambulatory visits, and they're purchasing supplies at above historical market prices, which is putting pressure on the financials, on the balance sheet, and in turn, that's driving the need for capital. And so they're accessing lines of credit. And one of the other big areas that we've been talking a lot about is how can we take advantage, if you will, of potential recoveries under our business interruption policies? What should we be doing today, for example, to file FEMA claims for the future? You know, and having gone through, you know, Sandy and Harvey and Irma and Florence, I would say our health systems on the East Coast in the on the Gulf states and somewhat on the West Coast, they have some pretty good experience around FEMA. But frankly, in the Midwest here, we haven't had a lot of experience. So we're spending a lot of time talking about that. And what do you need to do today to track those costs, those lost profits, following the FEMA rules, following and analyzing what's in your business interruption policy? You know, a lot of them have out clauses for, you know, these kind of diseases, but there are other things when something comes under civil authority, you still have the opportunity to, to make a claim. You know, the, the other thing is kind of on a, and it, it's accelerating rapidly, but I would have said on a midterm basis is really looking at your revenue models and your AR valuations. I mean, they're getting really complicated with all the regulatory changes around telehealth. I think we're still waiting for the codes to use. We're using influenza codes. A lot of our insurers have slowed down claims processing because their claims processing is offshore and that's, you know, sequestered, if you will. We're looking at a whole host of model risk around the revenue cycle. On a longer term effect, and, and particularly with the health systems that have pretty strong balance sheets, we believe there'll be an availability of distressed assets out there and I think one could expect further consolidation. And then how quickly can we turn it back on, if you will, and get back to the status quo? You know, if the surge comes, how large is it going to be in various different markets? So those are some of the kind of what I call short-term and mid to longer-term areas. That's really good stuff. I want to ask a couple of follow-up questions in there, uh, but just a quick comment. One of the conversations I had today uh, internally to HFMA as, you know, just thinking through the DNFB, discharge not final build hold, and just rethinking that, one, by necessity because of some codes, but then, two, just to make sure that, that what goes out is something that we can be proud of, that we can stand behind. You know, even some of those things, now that will wreak havoc on cash flows, but might be something for folks to pay attention to. But the, the follow-up question you know, I think about this modeling, and again, I can't get the challenge out of my head of how how difficult that will be. And and you know, no financial projection is ever perfect, but there's never been more uncertainty than now. 
I'm intrigued. I've not heard about these data sets that would help uh, organizations project the pen and the rush data sets. If I'm a CFO out there and I want to get access to those to help me with my thinking, how do folks get a hold of those models? Joe, they're out there publicly. So Penn Medicine posted theirs a couple of weeks ago. Rush just posted their model early this week. They put them out there for everybody to use. I know That's a number of health systems have models or multiple models, but generally the models are based on, you know, the experience in Wuhan or in Italy. And the real challenge we have is, as you know, every market is unique and it has, like I said earlier, different demographics. It has different comorbidities, you know, and how long this will last to, you know, look at Italy and all the things we've done to prepare for it. The sensitivity of those models, we just got to figure out a way to use and leverage, you know, one, learnings from New York, for example, and what, what are they learning from it, and using analytics mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of the new technologies that we've all been talking about to just try to get a sense of where it's headed. It, it, it is, to me, the biggest challenge, and then you have to staff up for it, you know, with your resources and, and supplies, and like I said earlier, it feeds directly into cash flow. Yeah, absolutely. But at least those models give, what I'm hearing, at least those models would give finance staff a starting point, and then they could adjust accordingly to local conditions. But it's better than starting with a whiteboard and not knowing where to go. So, boy, what a great tool that, uh, you know, and I learned something. That's, that's terrific that those are out there. Let, let me shift gears a little bit. You know, having been in these, nothing this magnitude, but I've been in disaster recovery environment before, and I know that there's some multiple things that uh, accounting staff should be focused on, both immediately in terms of record keeping, you know, what should they be focused on next month, what they should be focused on, you know, a few months from now. So can you talk a little bit about what accounting staff should be focused on today and in the near future? Sure. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I've been through a lot of things too, but I mean, not knowing the duration of this, you know, I think first and foremost is how do you adapt to working in a remote mode? I mean, most mm -hmm. of our clients have, maybe the CFO is on site with a kind of a skeleton force, but frankly, all your team is off-site. All our teams are off-site. You know, just conducting an audit totally remotely is a challenge, but you alluded to the publication we put out. There's a whole list, if you will, uh, and we've seen lots of pandemic checklists, if you will, but there's a whole list of things for, you know, accounting staffs to be monitoring. They're, they're pretty obvious, but you've got to keep them all going, all the balls juggling around debt-related matters, material adverse event notices, investment valuations on, you know, alternatives and derivatives, interest rate swaps, potential asset impairments, the impact on your defined benefit plan funding, and as we've done some work to respond to the immediate needs, we've had to make changes in policies and processes, and we have to make sure the internal controls are keeping up with those changes. In fact, one of the CFOs this morning commented, we're doing rough carpentry at this point. And so assuring that you have controls around all those policy and protocol changes you had to make to adapt on an agile basis is critical. So lots Absolutely. for the staff to keep an eye on, and, and working remotely creates new cyber risks, watching those carefully. Even when we start receiving, you know, federal and state grants, stimulus money, FEMA funds, a lot of this will require compliance guidelines to ensure 
that they're being monitored and complied on a real-time basis, you know, kind of the single audit act type stuff. Here's the thought that goes into my mind as I listen to all that, because there's a lot there. And, you know, we're all, I'm sure, reading about and almost in awe of the frontline clinical staffs and just the heroic efforts that are happening on the clinical side. And I think that is nothing less than heroic. But, you know, a lot of us, <laughs> the financial folks, they're kind of the unsung heroes behind the scenes. And as we should be, should be behind the scenes. But it's just equally important that we stay on top of those things that you mentioned. And there's a lot there. So kudos to all of us financial types to stay in the background, but stay diligent on the issues that you mentioned. I just have tremendous empathy for the, and I, I don't even want to call it back office staff, but you know, because it's, it's part of the front line with our finance uh, people. It is. And again, I hope my comments doesn't demean anything that's going on. Again, I just know that what you read about in social media, and, and rightfully so, are the wonderful things that are happening by the clinical folks. And so I, I would put, you know, our constituency in that unsung hero category, but they're still heroes nonetheless. Uh, and again, just listen to just the number of things that they need to think about and keep track of that you're enumerating here is almost overwhelming to think about. And yet that's the game that we have in front of us and we got to play it. I wanted to step back and look big picture for a second, uh, not so much on the to-dos right now, but you know, you're starting to see discussions about, boy, what could this mean long-term? What, what policy issues could you see developing or may develop that our members should be aware of? Uh, you know, hopefully there's some good things that come out of this in the long run. But what do you see from a policy perspective going forward? Well, you know, I certainly think, you know, and I've, I've heard a number of audit committees talk about, you know, how critical it is, you know, to be monitoring all the federal and state policy changes that are coming. Obviously, whether this stimulus bill helps, I mean, I think there's $130 billion in there for hospitals, but whether it's enough and, and, and watching it over time, I think we're going to see a lot more interventions at the federal and state level and at the same time you know we know the pressure on the states for example uh, and their budgets as a result of all this you know i think you know one of the things to probably step back and look at is charity care policies and that's actually a current issue you know whether we should adjust them or not given the current environment i would say the other thing that i hear a lot from the audit committees is how did our enterprise risk management process handle all this? You know, we always talked about in the upper left-hand quadrant of the heat map, having that black swan risk out there, you know, the one that is unexpected, but in hindsight, we, we should have anticipated and it can have a, a devastating effect. And so one of the things we've been hearing is keep track of all the things that we had to do workarounds or that didn't go well in processes so that, when this is the dust settles on this, we can look back on it and we can tighten up those gaps. Frankly, it's inevitable there's going to be another, you know, major event like this. So mm -hmm. I think it's just adapting one kind of to a new normal after the crisis. It's it, a challenge is going to be getting the people back in the saddle, back to work, and developing the plans. I think for the short term, kind of after the disruption to the status quo and then prioritizing what you need to do to get back to a normal cadence. And I think it's going to be more difficult than we think. But I think we'll see a lot more, to your point, policy issues that come up. You know, a lot of the, the policies that CMS and others were working on are obviously on the back burner right now. So issues like price transparency and other things will presumably come back around at some point. And so 
we just need to figure out how we get back to the regular cadence of our business, I think. Well, we long for that day, don't we? You know, uh, everybody I've talked to for years talks about how busy they are, and they are, and, and their schedules are tight. And it's ironic now that we probably long for that kind of a busyness and not what we're experiencing now. Well, hey, I got to tell you, I just really appreciate you dropping uh, everything and jumping on this call right away. I mean, I literally read these documents yesterday, either uh, afternoon or in the evening. I got in touch with you right away, and you made time in your schedule today. Can't thank you enough, Ed. This was a terrific message for our members, and uh, so thank you for sharing your insights and your thoughts and your time with us today. You're welcome, Joe. I, I can tell you, working from the home office and not being on site with our clients is really frustrating to me, mm -hmm. and it really makes you appreciate everything our CFOs and their teams are doing really at the front line to keep everything moving forward, and we'll work our way out of this. Yes, we will. And, you know, I, I, in fact, I'd love to end on a positive note, and that is we will work our way out of this, and there will be some good things that come out of this. And uh, who knows what they are, but uh, I'm convinced that there's some good that's going to be buried in here, and it's um, maybe a little hard to see today. But you're helping our members navigate their way through this, and, again, appreciate that um, very much. So. so thank you, Ed. You bet, Joe. Thanks. Voices in Healthcare Finance is produced by the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler. Brad Dennison is our Director of Content Strategy. Our President and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. Special thanks to Mary Mirabelli and Rick Gunling for their help with this production. Finally, we always welcome your feedback and invite you to reach out to us with your questions and comments at podcast at hfma.org.